This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10OFF, T-E-N-O-F-F, for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. This week's episode of Everything Went Black. I've got Ralph Schmidt here for another episode of our ongoing series, The Metaphysics of. How's it going, Ralph? I'm doing fine, Mike. Thanks for having me again. Hello, everybody. A long time. Um, I think the last thing we did was the Towns Van Zandt Roy Orbison episode, right? Yes, and uh, people seem to really appreciate that. And I have done a pretty deep dive into Towns Van Zandt and... Uh, Thank you for introducing me to his work. And do you like it? Oh, yeah, man. It's great. It, it, it's kind of exactly the kind of music that I need to hear right now. Just, um, yeah. you know, as we were talking before, going through a little bit of a melancholy period here, uh, moving um, not soon enough, honestly, but uh, moving to a new yeah. location. So my apartment is um, all the artwork is off the walls except for one Misfits poster. And uh, my books are packed away. Uh, so I feel like I'm living in like a, a box right now. <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> you know, so that creates like this liminal space sort of vibe and, you know, this music kind of helps me through that a little bit. Yeah. It's good that we have an uplifting topic today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, like I, I got like a lot of props, um, through my Instagram channel and also on the Patreon that people contacted me and said like, yeah, I've always heard the name Townsend Zen, but never really took a deep dive. And thanks for the playlist and, uh, for like giving, like giving like tips on it. And I mean, I also did like a way deeper dive into Roy Orbison now. So I think the classics thing is something we should continue as well, but we also got great feedback on the metaphysics off uh, episode one and now we're back for episode two and so let's see where this goes yeah thanks everybody um you know we, we like to, we, we experiment here you know we're experimental and i think um you know we try different things and it's it, i'm glad to hear that some people uh a lot of people seem to enjoy it and your feedback is always welcome and um you know especially you guys out on patreon um you know out on the patreon platform we got a really active community a lot of back and forth with people we, you know a lot of people stay in touch they give us their um recommendations and feelings about certain things and uh i just feel really fortunate to have a community like that you know and if anyone wants to join and support the show uh for one dollar a month you can join and you get access to the bonus material which at this point is weekly we got weekly what the staff picks we have whole shows that are out on patreon different sub you know sub shows things like that um, and for five dollars a month, you can get a uh, the, all the all the bonus material plus early access to episodes, 
And if you want to sponsor the show with your business, project, band, whatever, even your own podcast, you can you can subscribe to the $25 a month uh, Patreon level, which will give you one ad read per month. You can do it just for one month. Someone did it for one month. Or you can do it for as long as you want. And of course, the whole thing with Patreon is voluntary. You don't have to. You could do it for one month, decide you don't want to give me a dollar, and you could cancel it. That's totally cool. <clears throat> Before we get going, I also want to um, shout out the other horsemen. Um, you know, we got this excellent group of guys that release material. Hit that again. Wait, wait, wait. Right, let's so, line that up. Here, here's, here's, the, here's the plugs for our friends. Which the group is called? The Horsemen of the Podcasting Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. So on Monday, we got Brandon Legion, who brings us Horrorwolf 666. Tuesday, Jackie Smith delivers the goods with Into the Necrosphere. The only music-related podcast that I listen to, and uh, you know, every now and then I drop in on Big Will and the Heavy Hole podcast. You got to represent uh, the tri-state area here. Um, you know, this is a tri-state-based podcast even though we got dudes from all over the world contributing to this thing it's stationed here in the new york new jersey area so we got to represent those guys that's why i shout out big will wednesday of course is uh, everything went black thursday is necromaniacs horror podcast i do with jeff Kashid and mike scandato and uh you guys probably know all this stuff already but we talk about movies specifically every now and then we might have a special guest you know, we've had like the Adams family on, talk about their films, that kind of thing. Sunday is Soul Knox brought to you by Carl Hikara. And that's a great show if you're interested in the occult and uh, dark topics, the esoteric stuff. And Carl and I are actually doing a collaborative series called Darkness Weaves, where we're going to be talking about, we are talking about the work of Carl Edward Wagner, a very underrated weird fiction, dark fantasy horror writer who's you you've probably seen things that have influenced by him but not know exactly who has influenced those things if you watch true detective mm -hmm. specifically or the blair witch project his influence is all over both of those things and coincidentally mm -hmm. carl and i are going to be recording an episode on sticks a short story which actually addresses the very things that I talked about in those shows. So check that out too. And that's on Sunday. Yep. Cool group of people. We have a, we have a chat like uh, our like Facebook chat where we always share stuff and that has an influence on the episodes and uh, it's a cool little network. And uh, a lot of people seem to follow all those shows and tag along and comment, which is awesome. And like a real sense of community here on the, terrible thing that is the internet <laughs> the internet has brought me so much fucking misery in my life i gotta be honest man. <laughs> like a lot of, you know some good things but lately just negative shit has been piling into my life from the internet so just um you know it's cool but i'm not online as much as i used to be yeah i might post mm -hmm. some stuff on instagram and that's about it like i don't really go on facebook i don't really i don't we have a twitter account but it's auto posted you, you, mm -hmm. you know People, you got to know me to know me or be on the Patreon, basically. So that's like, mm. you know, I, I, I can't I can't deal with the negativity anymore, man. 
Yeah, it's um, I, I I never fucked with with Twitter, and I probably never will. Don't. I think it's it's the biggest cesspool that there is. Um, I mean, like people know that I'm really into pro wrestling. So, like aside from the Horsemen, like probably the the most podcasts that I listen to are like wrestling related podcasts. And all the comment sections, if they post something on Facebook, it's like I fucking hate the laughing smiley that you can post on Facebook and you see like news posts about, Oh, this person died. And you have people like post laugh smiley. It's just like, I want to punch everybody. So stay, I stay away from like Twitter, from the comment section on Facebook. And, and uh, it's terrible, man. It's just so much anger and hate and everybody wants to be the number one. Like I know more than the next guy. And it's just like, Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, dude. So, um, you know, I mean, yeah, you you can hit me up on Instagram and stuff, Messenger. That's cool. Like as long as you're like cool and you don't you know attack me or anything like that, that's fine. <laughs> um, but you know, Patreon, of course. You know, we got those are like the guys that we all are sort of on the same page. So we communicate freely over on Patreon, and uh, yeah, you know that's 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 uh, that's about it, man, with the internet. So so what's to, what's today's topic, Ralph? Let's let's get into this. Yeah, it's a sunshiny Sunday, and it's Mother's Day, so what better thing to talk about than death? Yeah, so after uh, the metaphysics of fear, which was our first installment, and if you haven't checked that out, please go out of your way to listen to it. Um, today we're going to talk about, yeah, uh, the little thing called death. Um the idea of this, this, these episodes is to go into, yeah, like the, the varieties of topics that are touched by this very thing, like the subjects in our lives, in our culture, um, in, in philosophy, in our thinking. And uh, I mean, we talked about a bunch of shit that we could do, like for the metaphysics of. And I think death is just so obvious because we've both been shaken by death um the last years and um yeah so i had the idea and like last time i prepared three taglines which are stolen from art that we have which to me represent various chapters and topics we could talk about that relate to death and so i try to structure it that way that we will have like a tagline and then i just like throw some questions in the room we'll talk about it and then after a while we go on to the next one yes i love, I love that format man it's great yeah it's uh sometimes i feel like my teaching is really like influencing the way i operate things but like i love to have things with structure and uh i mean like when i teach english like i said before like i teach kids to actually like use the english language not like they don't read a lot of like english books but um <clears throat> you also have to like structure papers and all this shit and i always love like things that are clearly structured and you can follow along and if you want to take a break you know you could say like okay i finished the first chapter and then i go on to the next one so like the worst books to me to read are the ones that don't have chapters which is just like 800 pages back to back it's always like uh i need a, like a little break here but um yeah sometimes it works that way but no like we have the structure here and um should we dive in let's do it all right so the first thing I thought about, which also relates to a, an episode we did recently, is the tagline here is, death is just the beginning. 
And what I want to talk about is, what do you think, Mike? What comes after you die? I would like to believe that something comes after you die, but um, with my most recent uh, experiences with death, I just believe it ends. Everything is over, and you just disappear into the vortex, you know? Yeah. Um, you're not raised religious, are you? Or I was, you actually. Raised? I was raised uh, Roman Catholic, yes. Okay. So in your life, like the the actual like the book, the good book, and your elders, they told you that if you're a good Christian, you will have the the you will regain like some sort of existence afterwards in a paradise. And if you're not a good person, you will go to hell. I assume, right? Um, it wasn't so much like the hell, the hell stuff, you know, but it was uh your typical Italian American you know, uh, Roman Catholic uh, kind of vibe where you, no one was really that religious. We just w went to church on Sunday and I went to um, religious, uh, you know, it's called uh, CCD, uh, Catholic uh, something or other, like where you had like a, aside from school, you'd go to like once a week to this thing that taught you about the, you know, Catholic religion, basically Roman, Roman Catholicism. And, uh, and then you had to do that to get confirmed and, all that sort of stuff so that I, I had a confirmation you know and all that stuff when i was a kid mm. and um somewhere in my teens i started drifting away maybe it was after starting to, you know getting into all the stuff that we got into like you know horror and lovecraft and listening to extreme music and stuff you know and mm. punk rock and opening up to these different ideas and philosophies and um and i drifted away from religion right around that time too mm. Yeah, I was uh, I wasn't raised religious at all. My grandparents were all Catholic, and my father actually like dropped out early on. And I mean, my dad and I don't have like the best of uh, best of um, well base of existence or coexisting. And uh, there's a lot of things that I think he did wrong in his life. But one thing to this day that like sticks with me which i really appreciate was when um when every like every one of my friends started going to like to church for these classes to prepare for confirmation and um my dad was like so you want to go there as well i assume and like wow well they all get presents in the end and i'm like <laughs> and he's, he was like and he was like yeah i'll just buy you the bike that you want when they all get their presents so next year you will get the bike and you don't have to go to church and when you're old enough to make up your own mind you decide if you want to go to church or not uh, that's excellent. so yeah and so like he he told me why he's not religious and why he doesn't believe in the system and and that's why also like in consequence i don't i'm not in um I'm not, I don't want to say brainwashed into, but like, I'm not raised to believe that there is something after death. I, um, I also just think like you have this one chance to do everything right, to live the best life, to, to be a good person by your own rights, not because you want to be a good person because God tells you so. It's just like, I try to be the best version of myself and be a nice person because I think it's the only chance I have. And if I fail, well, then I fail and then I'm dead some, some, at some point and I'm just gone and no one will care about this. I'll be like dust and forgotten in a few years. Um, but I don't think in anything like a paradise. 
And that's also what is interesting when you, I mean, I teach philosophy in school and de death and dying is a subject that we teach like as, as a subject in philosophy, it's in the 10th grade. So when they're like 15 and 16, and it's so crazy to see that these kids have no idea about this because it's such a taboo to talk about this at home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and at that, at a young age, like you're, you're definitely, um, sort of indoctrinated into whatever religious beliefs your family has, you know, and you're probably yeah. don't even understand that there's other things philosophies out there like i'm sure you guys probably talk about like arthur schopenhauer and you know that yes. sort of stuff yeah. you know which is like oh that's that's great that's great to at a party you know to start talking about schopenhauer's uh <laughs> philosophies <laughs> if you want to like yeah. to really want to score big with the ladies like start start talking about <laughs> that kind of stuff you know and that'll really really bring the room down you know yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and that's and, and it's just so crazy how like I mean, now, you know, like I'm 43 now and I've seen a lot of shit go down and it's such so crazy to see like how, um, how protected these kids are and protected. I mean, in this sense, in a negative way, because they, they never had the chance to think for themselves because especially like the Muslim kids that I teach, the Muslim system is really strict. I mean, we, I heart, I, I taught a Jewish kid once, but like the Jews, we don't have a lot of Jews here. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to say nothing about that, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I have like a lot of Christian kids that choose to go to philosophy classes instead of religion because that's like it's at the same time and you can choose. Um, but like the, the Christians, like they're some some of them are raised pretty strict and they go to church all, all the time and like mo most of them are pretty chill so you go to church at christmas or something and you pray when it's like this when, it, when it's comfortable to pray but the muslims they're like all hardcore at what they do it's like you know like you have to have the the, the five um with the columns of, of of islam that you have to go through you have the ramadan and you have the you have the service on fridays and the mosques and they're like they're like if you're a muslim like most of them are like straight up like hardcore muslims but not in like a negative way hardcore but like they they live by the book and for them it's clear whatever they do God will judge them, Allah will judge them, and it will lead their way to paradise in the end to be a good Muslim. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I know many Muslim people from my gym and also co-workers. Like my, my actual, the guy who runs the, the program I work for at my job is, is Muslim. My former boss was Muslim, and they're devout, but they're also not extremists. That's like what people get hung up on in the United States, yeah. maybe, maybe even globally, I don't know, but like, yeah. You know, and even within Islam, there, I mean, this could be a whole other episode is like the differences between the uh, Mecca and Medina versions of Muhammad's philosophies, too. You know, it's yeah. there is one, you know, there's the, the extremists latch on to one aspect of Muhammad's writings and the more, um, you know, peaceful, I would say mainstream Muslims yeah. kind of take in the whole picture and assess things differently, you know. Yes, of course. And that's always, that's like a question that comes up all the time in, in these classes. Like, why do people, like these kids ask me, like, why do so many people hate us? Like for our, for our beliefs. I'm like, yeah, that's like the, the same, the same as it always is. You have 98% of people doing a thing right. And you have 2% that fuck up everything for everybody. 
You know, like we're having in school, like the kids, when they go to toilet, they have like these chip cards and there's no toilet paper. So they have to go to, to the janitor and have to get toilet paper to then take a dump or a piss. Um, because like, then, then they complain. It's like, this is so ridiculous. I have to go to get the paper and then go to the toilet. Yeah. And then, then that's like, yeah, then we tried it again. Like the teacher staff, like we, we provided toilet paper and it took exactly one day until one jackass stuff stuffed all the toilets and flushed them <laughs> see and, and that's like that's always the example i give to them it's like you know like they want to use cell phones in school like and i'm like yes 98 percent of you would like just like listen to music watch some tiktok videos in the breaks that's all cool but two percent are assholes that film teachers or film other kids getting you know, like beaten up or shit and that's the same thing like like 98 percent of muslims are cool and chill and they live their religion and they don't harm anyone and you put two percent of assholes that fuck it up for everybody yeah yeah exactly you know so yeah but yeah, but like drifting away here. But um, so they all have this belief. And to them, like when I say as an adult in front of them, teaching them, it's like, okay, he knows about religious religions and he knows about these topics. And it's like, what do you believe? And I'm like, I believe at one point my heart will stop. My brain will stop functioning. My circulatory system will stop and I will compose. And then that's that. And there's nothing after that. And that's to them, it's such a horrible belief and um, which transitions to, I mean, we talked about fear, I think, and that's like another statement in, in the first chapter I want to do is, uh, I think that fear and the fear of death is the capital that religion is actually built on. I tend to agree with that. I think that especially monotheistic religions, um, I think that maybe the pagan religions had more to do with um describing and understanding the world around them and death mm -hmm. was just a component of that because in a lot of i mean there's i mean there's so many different ways to talk about that but like you know with um like say the uh the the it, the pagan religions of say england you know britain you know like the the Kernunos and and the the green man and all that kind of stuff like the um the underworld is not wasn't necessarily a bad place you know what I mean? And yes. de death was part of more of the natural cycle of things. It wasn't like this monolithic, you know, thing that we're all afraid of. And uh, but the monotheistic religions—that's when death. They probably meditated more on death and looking at their lives and their lives. You know, ancient living in the desert. You know, and you know, toiling away. And there's got to be something better than this. You know, maybe possibly that's possibly why I think that fear of death might have played into the way those religions sort of assemble, assemble themselves, you know? Yeah. And especially, I think, like, when you go back to the monotheistic, their, their bargainship, which made them so successful, and that's why these churches are so incredibly powerful and have so much money, is because they were preying on the, on the fear of death, because people don't know. That's the only question you can't answer with, like, science. I mean, there've, there's been experiments with it and everything, but like no one has an answer what happens after death. So that's the that's the, the, the biggest belief question there is. And I think it's the even bigger question than is there like, do you believe in an entity called like God or Allah or Jehovah or whatever, you know? It's like, I think 
this this unknown, this aspect that there is something we cannot wrap our heads around because we don't just we just don't know what happens after that is like the biggest question that people like have to test their beliefs in. And that's why I always challenge them in school. And they're like, no, we'll all go to paradise. It's like, then prove it. And they're like, no, I know it. And like, no, you don't, because there's a difference between knowing and believing and you're believing, but you don't have a scientific proof to tell me otherwise. Yeah, you know, and, all, and also the other aspect of this too is like, you know, um, it—the belief that we know everything too, like that. Even science can, can just explain things as a very uh, hyperbolic sort of belief. I think that it's um, yes, you know, even even within the last like hundred years, we discovered all these things that we had no idea. You know, like magic is—we're living in a magical world compared to what someone a hundred years ago. Would, would think they would never even mm. comprehend the kind of things we can do right now. But I'm not, I'm not saying that that's going to, someone's going to prove the existence of God or whatever. But like, I, I also believe that the world that we observe is only one, one very minuscule aspect of reality, you know, and mm. that the actual function of the universe is probably way more strange than we can perceive it to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the, that's the I think that's the power that death has over people, and um, I, w- I want to go into that like a bit more later, like the sure. the, the power that death has mm-hmm. on us. But I just thought like, yeah, the question is like, what comes after death is such a such a significant thing and that's why i thought like death is just the beginning like yeah we did this episode on this on the video magazine and i'm like yeah the sentence kind of resonated with me and like early on it was just a cool title and i assumed for them it wasn't more than just a cool title um but yeah it's like the the thing uh so what comes next and uh that's also a good transition because um i mean we're we're both like fans of horror and shit and the, the the zombie thing is like really popular and the undead and uh so as the second chapter i want to say and with strange eons even death may die the influence of death on culture and art especially the art that we uh that we like so much would you agree that death is like the main trigger like the main focus on like primarily all the stuff that we're into like music wise and movies and shows and books oh yeah i mean 100 percent for me man like i um i've always been like a fucking morbid kid you know what i mean like when i was you know in high school man like when i was a kid i started formulating how i saw the world and everything it just that morose macabre you know sad boy like fucking shit is like what i was into man when i was a kid like i dark stuff like sabbath like listening to black sabbath and you know then later later on bauhaus and like joy division and and uh you know movies you know the exorcist was like the first one of the first films i've ever seen you know and that kind of talked a lot that's about religion as well as entities and death and all that sort of stuff and uh Night of the Living Dead, you know, it's like confronting death and this other animated version of it. You know, that those are all early films that I saw. You know, Dracula, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Universal Monsters. Mm-hmm. You know, Dracula living forever. You know, what, what is that like to not have to deal with death? You know, those sorts of things. Yeah. Big influences on everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's uh, um, let me just write something down here real quick. Okay, um, that's that's the thing that I also like gravitate towards. Like I, I mean, we talked about it. You're like you love the the. I think your favorite like of these mythical like creatures you could call is like the werewolves. Yeah, and like and I'm like I'm like always obsessed with vampires. Right. So uh, shout outs to to Carl Hikara for doing like the the vampire episodes and on his I think it's also on his Patreon now. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, it's like such a crazy idea. It's like these these entities that are uh, that live forever and they live because they kill others and and use their like their their fluids like blood as as their fuel and. Um, yeah, man, it's just like all all the stuff that we're into. If you go back and like, I don't know, like how far back you can trace horror literature, but most people say like Edgar Allan Poe or E.T.A. Hoffman, and these people were like the originators of like the the horror genre. But if you actually like read the Bible and oh, some yeah. parts of the Bible, that's like already like a fucking nightmarish horror scenario right there. And, uh, yeah, it's all based upon, in the end, we will all die, you know, like the final judgment. And, I mean, we spoke about the religious aspect. and But that's, that's like, how the, the, the whole industry is set up on this. And I just, there's so, I mean, I have, like, a bunch of books. And, and I assume you're, like, I have way more books. You're, like, way more well-read than I am. But, like, I think we're both equally on, like, movies and shows. You're, like, obsessed with that shit. And like, if I think about like which movies that I love that are not revolving around death or something, it's like there's not a lot. Like it always plays a part, even if it's not like a, a drama or anything. Like death is mostly a trigger to something, or the the fear of death, and you know, like couples getting together and having kids. And it's like, yeah, yeah, because that's the life goal and everything. And we have to make everything from the time that we have. And you see all these people out there, especially like when you use dating platforms, and everybody's like, oh yeah, positive vibes only. And I'm surfing and I'm deep diving and i'm snowboarding i'm doing all this crazy shit it's just like everything is like we we only have limited time and we have to make the best of it and yeah i mean we fill ours with like art that revolves around death yeah and creating art that revolves around death you know and and just darkness you know uh yeah just real quick about the werewolf man like werewolves to me are like the ultimate life affirming monsters really if you think about it you know Mm -hmm. they exist in the moment you know when when you become a werewolf you know you're yeah. you have like a very i love the idea of that i love being able to um be two things you know to have like the rational side yeah. and then just the animalistic you know completely driven by desires and dark passions side and that's when you turn into a werewolf you just go out and you kill people and you eat eat them and you know like yeah. do all sorts of werewolf stuff you know and then you wake up the next after what's the next day and you're all back to normal you know and yeah 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 and i think that that's that's also like that's that was one of my ideas for like a third installment or like a fourth i don't know like where we're going with this but i think like the reason versus nature aspect of pete of men which is like exactly the thing that werewolves portray because yeah the the biggest difference between werewolves and vampires is werewolves are living beings 
and vampires are dead. Yes. You know, like, and, uh, and like the, the, I mean, we all carry this, this inner wolf, like the animal, like this, the, the instincts that we have, and we have to fight them with reason. And yeah, like being a werewolf, just giving in to all the instincts and these instincts take over. That's such an interesting metaphor, like, which is also turned into like, it's, it's an interesting story, but in the end, what, what makes the people afraid? And that's, that's also what I want to talk about is like, what what is what is the thing in horror movies or in movies in general? Do you, what do you think that that scares people more? The the act of being killed, like the horror of being slaughtered by I don't know Art the clown or a werewolf or being like drank by a werewolf or eaten by zombies, or is it the thing that you will won't be on Earth anymore and you don't know what comes after? I think it's the latter. Um... You know, I think that that it's it's not taking that step into the unknown, you know, and then yes. actually confronting all of your belief systems and finding out that maybe you were wrong your entire life. And it's I, I like to point to the Ex Oblivion um, short story by Lovecraft, where that's kind of the thing. This guy just wanted to die. He thought he had a glimpse into another world that lay beyond the portal of life and death and he killed himself and then as he was approaching this portal he realized there was just nothing on the other side of the door and that's like probably the most horrifying story i've ever read knowing that this guy took it in his own hands to make this step and then he realized he was wrong about everything yeah yeah i remember when we did the episode on that like and 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 i i I mentioned it back then and i i still haven't tracked it down because like as this is so bleak and that's such a horrifying it's almost as horrifying as like there's this french movie with a guy who's looking for his girlfriend which uh, like the girl was abducted at a at a gas station and he does like all the research and then he finds out like he finds the actual person that abducted her and he asks her to, I have no idea what the name of this movie is. If someone knows it, please let me know. But like it, it ends up that um, he finds the guy that did it and asks, like this guy asks like, okay, there's two options. You can either go now and we will never know what happened to her. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or- or, I, or I'll give you sleeping pills and you will find out the next day exactly what happened to her. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. I, the I, they, they remade that in the States too, but I can't remember the title of it. Yeah. And it's just like the, the end of this thing is like, it's kind of like the ex oblivion thing is like, do I actually really want to know what's on the other side? But yeah, I mean, in this case, of course, I think not knowing what happened to the to your loved one might drive you crazy and make your life miserable. And it won't, it's likely it won't end like in this movie. But yeah, man, it's like, it's like this thing that it's like so bleak on the other side. And there's this fucking South Park episode that I still can't track down. It also, like, which goes back to the first part. I remember that uh, also, like, if there are South Park fans out there, maybe you can tell me which episode it is <laughs> where um, something happens in the town and everybody gets killed. And all of a sudden you see, like, this image of hell and everybody's in hell, you know, like the Muslims and, and the Jews and the Christians and everybody is there. And they're all like, what the, what the fuck, man? I, I always went to church. I always went to the mosque and I was like a loyal Christian and blah, blah, blah. And then like a, a helper of, of Satan comes out and says like, well, 
uh, Mormons. The right answer would have been Mormons. And then you see heaven and it's just like God is sitting on his cloud and there's just Mormons and it's super boring. And he's like, ah, oh, damn, I, ch I chose the wrong religion. And it's just so like this, this, this idea of like this cartoonish thing, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's always the question, what comes, what comes after this thing? And I think when people see it, and I mean, if I go back, like, we've both seen a lot of movies with gruesome death scenes and like sp talking about like this now very popular character with art the clown and you know everybody knows the saw scene and first one and everybody knows like the the bad scene where the mother comes in and the second part right that's like that's like atrocious stuff and it's like no one wants to go through that but in the end the fear is like yeah like what what comes next yeah you know or even like you know martyrs is my favorite movie that confronts that concept too you know where the the, the whole idea of that anyone who hasn't seen martyrs it's like the french the french for version of the original seek that out the martyrs where they talk about the whole the whole movie the whole thing is about this cult trying to find out what lies beyond the door in 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 oblivion you know is there something you know and then it's unresolved at the end of the movie they, they torture these people and they, the idea of a martyr and you know the whole concept is that all these historical martyrs have this like beatific look on their face as they're dying and they must be looking into heaven you know mm. and the uh release from this mortal coil you know as they transcend life and that's what the whole point of the movie is. Like, what, what the fuck is going on there? Like, why? Like, what is beyond this doorway that into the unknown? And um, the movie, in the in a very French way, doesn't fucking resolve. It makes you, it still, you put you through this 90 minute of anxiety and punishment. And then you still don't know the answer, the answer at the end. <laughs> Speaking, speaking of this, it's so funny that you, no, it's not funny, I, I kind of expected this because I know you love that movie so much, but um, I actually haven't seen it. Oh. And um, that's this, this um, there's this small cinema in, in another part of, of Cologne, uh, Cologne that, um, that always has like a w very well curated uh, program. And they just did like in, this, in the vein of the new Cronenberg movie, made like a body horror special. So like they had like various body horror movies every week. And now they will do a special on the French extreme and they will show martyrs in cinema. And mm -hmm. I could go there. And my question is, you know, like I'm a wimp. <laughs> right. It's like I, I, I can take stuff, but like, Will I leave cinema watching martyrs, or will it be that good that I stick around for the violence? You know, the violence is not that extreme in that movie. It's more of um conceptual, man. Like I, I mean, there's you know, okay. there's, there's violence in it for sure, and there's like gruesome stuff, but it's not like one of these extreme horror movies where there are people getting sawed in half and they're you know like entrails mm. being ripped. Out. You know, it's not like that at all. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's not an extreme yeah. horror. I'm not a big fan of that stuff either, to be honest. Like extreme horror, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's good. Because, like, I love that cinema. And I thought, like, because I just know pictures and it looks really bleak and dark. So, like, I'm, like, seeing this in the cinema might make more sense than watching it on my TV at home, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen it in a the theater. Man. I would love to, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's the small cinema. They were, they're so cool at what they do. I mean, like one of the first thing when they opened is like having a Hellraiser double feature of like Hellraiser one and two. And then like a week later they showed Rambo one, two and three back to back for one night for like 15 euros. It's Damn. crazy. So yeah, they have like, they have, it's very well curated. So yeah, I'll probably see that. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is also, um, my question to you, are you more afraid of the process of dying or of being dead? Um, no, that's, if a great, at all. that's a great question, man. Um, I, I think I'm more afraid of the process of dying, really. Um, you know, as I'm getting older, I see my body starting to change, you know, and it's like already I can feel like myself dying, you know what I mean, in a certain mm -hmm. way. And um, I hate it. I don't like that. I don't like, you know, looking at gray hair and wrinkles and, you know, understanding that like uh the skin my skin looks a little bit different like that kind of stuff so i imagine old age is probably going to be uh a very bad time for me you know mm -hmm. yeah, that's the same here i i have I'm, I'm really not afraid of being dead like i i don't know like this maybe the pessimist in me is like there's i try to do the best that there is right now but if like a truck would kill me and like run me over and i'm dead like i i wouldn't mind like i don't care i mean in that moment no like there's no chance to care but you know like i i don't think if there would be a life after this i would be like oh shit man i, I missed so much but um i really don't want to suffer i really you know like when i think of like how i want to die i want it to be quick and painless or just sleep in and never wake up stuff like this to me like the 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 idea of you know being i don't know being hit by a car and then you're like live lying there and you're maybe brain dead and you're not like cardi you do have like brain death and not cardiac death and you're just a, like say, sorry the word but you're a vegetable like lying around and and waiting until someone pulls the plug or being in pain you know forever i remember my grandfather like he and that's like, I think that kind of shaped like my view on everything. Like my, my mother's father, he was to me the most important person in my family. And he was the first to go. Like it was the first time that I, like I was forced to deal with death and he had prostate cancer and uh like like this generation they were like oh no i don't i don't go like i i will know what have no one stick a finger up my bum you know like i won't get checked out and then they all die of these fucking things and like prostate cancer is like my both my grandfathers had it my father deals with it so like i i know what i'm in for so i go to like to screenings and checkups and i'm like uh, like i hate when people say oh it's gay and blah fuck you <laughs> it's like it's so it's dumb and <laughs> um, um but yeah man so like i saw him and I remember, I mean, that was, I was 16 back then and he lived in Frankfurt and like, it's like 40 minutes from where I grew up. So every other day, my mom and I and my sister, we drove there and went to the hospital and, you know, like seeing him turn into like a living skeleton is like to this day, something that creeps me out. Yeah. And, uh, I remember that I, then I, that I, I, at some point I said to my mother, like, I cannot go anymore. I can't take it to see him like this. So I wrote him a mail, like, like a mail, like a letter, like back then. And like, 
I, I, I love you. I apologize. Like, but I, I, it's, it's so hard for me to see you like this. And he answered me like in this squiggly handwriting because he hadn't, that didn't have any power. And he's like, yeah, I understand. I love you too. I, I like, I totally get it. And there's no hard feelings. And like two days later he passed and then I hated myself for not going, but it's like this process of your body dysfunctioning and like withering. And I mean, yeah, your parents are older than my parents, but my parents already deal like with a lot of shit. And like, it's, it's a thing that will happen. And it's like one of the only certainties in life that we have is that we're all going to die. And I just don't want to have it painful. I just want to be like, get rid of like, you know, like I don't care what happens to me when I'm dead. I just don't want to suffer. Yeah. For my own personal, I don't, I, I <laughs> this is going to sound fucked up, but I, at this stage, I kind of welcome death, man. I just, <clears throat> I don't have any fear of it for me. You know, I, I think yeah. about the people that I might leave behind and I think about my loved ones dying and how they would, I don't want them to suffer, you know, but, um, yeah. I, man, in the last few years, I had to deal with so many deaths, like starting, you know, in the 20, 2020, and all the way up until just a few months ago, people were passing. They were really close to me. And uh, <clears throat> two of them, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, I basically, when my aunt passed, uh, she was up in New Hampshire. And um, she hadn't gone to the doctor like her entire life. And she just like collapsed one day. And um, they brought her to the hospital and... Uh, you know, I won't go into all the medical stuff, but you know, she stabilized for a while and then she took a turn and then we got that call. Like you guys got to come up here. We think that she's going to, you know, be passing soon. So, uh, you know, we drove up there the day, um, you know, it was like a weekday, me and my family, my parents and myself drove up to New Hampshire. And at that point they had taken all the life support stuff off of her and we were just awaiting we're all sitting in the room. I the one thing I remember is like they had this like little tablet with this imagery of like oceans and playing this like soothing music. And I, I wanted to fucking smash that thing into pieces, man, because part of me was just like it made me so fucking angry having that thing on, you know? But I wasn't gonna mm. say anything. And my aunt, you know, she was just you know, her dentures were taken out, you know, and like just waiting and I just remember sitting there and like she's breathing and unknown whether or not she even understood that whether or not she was even aware that there were people there it was unknown you know I didn't know no one knew really what cognitive ability she had and um we were there all afternoon and then I remember um I took a just to get some air because you know you had to wear the masks and everything and uh my cousin texted me he's like you got to come back to the room she just passed Right. And walking back into the room, just even though she was in this very, very compromised, very much, you know, incapacitated state, she still looked alive. But when I returned to the room, you can tell that she was gone. Mm. There's just something about the life leaving the body. And like we just sat there, you know, people were crying, you know, I, I, I was surprised that I didn't cry. I cried much later. You know, and um, and it was like I thought about those moments, man. Because my cousin, everyone in my family is like religious. My cousin's like, well, you know, she's gonna be with her husband, and I'm like, I didn't want to say that's not what I think, but 
and I was thinking about like the body slowly dying and like maybe that's how we experience infinity, you know, is those moments as like our brain waves pass into nothingness. That's that period of time, that brief moment, seconds, milliseconds, that time is infinity for us maybe. I don't know. You know, that's because when you think about it, you really expand your viewpoint and you go way out into the, the cosmos. Does time even have a fucking meaning? You know, like maybe those milliseconds are infinity in a larger time scale. You know, who knows? You know, mm. that's what I was thinking at that moment. And, um, yeah. you know, and then like my, my best friend in the entire world passed. And, uh, you know, it's like it would be a disservice to her to not mention this during this episode because, um, someone I've known very close, the closest person in my life. I've known over half of my life, over half of my life at this point, you know, and, you know, we were, we were, we were together for a long time that we were, we were, we were not together for a long time and, but she was still the closest person to me. And, um, you know, I think talking about the, the body and, and the body sort of declining, like her decline started years before she passed away. And that was very painful to experience. Like, you know, we weren't together, but I, you know, she went from being like a very healthy person, very active to dealing with like all these physical things, going through medical problems, never really, no one really understanding being misdiagnosed in this years, probably over the course of 10 years, suffering um, at varying degrees, dealing with pain, managing pain. And then finally at the very end, like, right, when um the during the pandemic so i couldn't even visit her i couldn't even see her it'd been a year since i'd seen her and uh talking on the phone every day multiple times a day um you know providing support for myself and for her because i was alone down here i went through the pandemic by my completely alone isolated and um she was at least at that point she was living with her stepmother and um you know, like her family is interesting. I'm not going to go too much into that, but it's a, it's a, they had a, a very unusual family, but every, everyone was very, very close. Even ex-wives and step-husbands and step-children. And it just was a unique family and everyone was very close and supportive. And, um, you know, so the whole, whole my, my, actually she's the one who found the apartment I'm living in right now. Like she, was like I, you, you suck at finding a place to live, so let me help you. So this is before the pandemic, and when she was much healthier and vibrant, you know, she like found this place for me to live. Because she's right, I can't. I, I'll, I'll live in a tent somewhere. You know, I'll fucking end up living in like a. Oh yeah, we're gonna rent you this cave for uh, three thousand dollars a month or something. That's <laughs> I would get, I would get hoodwinked like that all the time when I was living in Brooklyn. You know, and so anyway. You know, so the whole thing was like, you know, once I get vaccinated, I'm going to come and I'll visit you. I'll stay with you for a few weeks. And I'm like, oh, that'd be great. So we were holding on for that, like just like a time where we could be together again, you know, and just not not in like and just in, in a way that's like people that like like a way where people that really love each other want to be together. And, um, you know, so during that last year, because I wasn't I didn't have visual on her like, you know, we would FaceTime every now and then. But um, I just didn't realize like how much she had declined. Like at one point, you know, she was um couldn't get out of bed. You know, she she relied on her um 
her, her uh, stepmother to, uh, you know, help her get up and do things in the, you know, go to the bathroom and brush her teeth and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, uh, yeah, so one day I remember very vividly, it was right when things were starting to open up. My friend JL came down to visit me and, and we were going to go see Bambara play in Brooklyn. It was like the first show after the pandemic. And, um, it was the day, the week that the Sopranos movie came out. <laughs> I remember, mm. I remember it was the Friday. I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go train at the gym, you know, in the afternoon. I did a private with my coach and like, I went, I got an Italian sandwich at this deli and I was going to watch the Sopranos movie. And I was talking to her on the phone and I was like, yeah, you know, I got these sandwiches, you know, like whatever, going to watch the Sopranos. And she's like, oh, when I, when I come down there, we're going to have to get an Italian sandwich. I'm like, Absolutely. So I watched Sopranos and called her later that, um, you know, the movie kind of sucked. I didn't really like it, you know? And, mm-hmm. and then the Saturday morning I was in, t- in contact with her. I was like, up, oh, going to head, head into Brooklyn, going to meet JL. We're going to hang out, go to the show. She's like, tell me all about it tomorrow. So, you know, Sunday came around. Um, you know, I, I texted her in the morning and I didn't hear back. And, uh, and I was getting nervous. And then JL and I went out to, um, lunch and we were like sitting in the in the apartment and then i saw that my phone light up and it was her mother and her mom is just like you know not to mince words just you know she's she passed away just like that Mm. like just out of the blue you know it just was her time to go man and uh and once again i didn't i was obviously very upset and in disbelief but i didn't i didn't cry until hours later man because i had to bring jl to the airport and mm. hold it together and then i was driving to my i told my parents and i was like i got to go to boston or she was at this point she was living in boston with her stepmother i'm like i got to go up to boston and sort all this stuff out and then uh that's when i cried like once i left the city and um driving and uh you know i was in in west westchester county just ever this wave came over me and i just burst into tears and like just like the the deepest most intense pain i've ever experienced and uh you know and then i, I was at my parents house and i you know i went and i was i helped deal with all the you know the funeral things and i was dealing that whole week i took off and i was staying with my folks and uh you know, the cremation and all that and the final viewing of the body and, and that's that was the, the that was the only time I got a chance to see her was you know, after a whole year was when she was she was passed. She was gone, you know, and that's you look down at the body, man, and it's just like you just it's just it's it's material, you know, it's it's um it's not there it's just a, a piece of material, you know. Yeah. And and I was aware of just like smell of flowers and and you know maybe that's like you know there's there's like other odors that they're trying to mask with this scent and i was just very you know because she was being cremated so there was no you know they didn't do any kind of like treatment or anything they just mm-hmm. you know treated her exterior but there was a, a very much this okay we got to like incinerate this body into ash now and that was mm-hmm. the thing that fucked me up more than anything was like getting this little, little container of ash man which i have in my bedroom right now and uh that's not going to get packed away that's going to travel with me when i go to my new place i'm not going to put it in a put her in a fucking box yeah. and 
you know, have a wow. mover, move her to my new place. But like, you know, that was, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's like, they just don't exist anymore, you know? Yeah. And, and it's so fucking intense, man, to think about that. And that's like, uh, that's like the realest thing I've ever dealt with, man. And, and it, it fucking haunts me to this day, dude, all this stuff, you know, even my aunt and the other people that passed away, just, it fucking, you know, really, really, it just fucking haunts me, man. That's like, and you know, like I'm a really not a violent person, but I remember like when, when my grandfather passed and also some like after Audrey, I had to put down Audrey last year. Yeah. The sentence, the, the sentence, she's in a better place now. Oh man. That actually makes me, that makes me want to kill another human being, you know, like yeah. that's like the worst. And it's, um. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I, I knew the story, and it's, it's so heartbreaking to hear this. And I'm so sorry that you had like to lose her like that, especially like not being there. And I can only imagine. I mean, I have to say, like, I know this. I mean, the uh, the the chapters by this point here is like completely like through. And um, the last, but it actually fits because the last like tagline I had was "Death is the road to awe." which is a, a song from the, the soundtrack of The Fountain, which um, yeah. Yeah. which is a movie that deals with Hugh Jackman losing the love of his life, his best friend, and he's trying to save her in different... I mean, it's like, it's a weird Darren Aronofsky time travel movie in a way. The movie is really impressive visually. From the story, it's heartbreaking, but all in all, this movie just doesn't really like get me in the way I think it should. But the soundtrack, I mean, we spoke about it a lot of times, you know, that how much I love this music and especially the track Death is the Road to Awe. This is probably the thing that will play at my funeral for the three people that will attend. I'll be there. And, uh, <laughs> well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll be gone before you probably, but yeah. Yeah, dude, like, let, let's make a, let's make like a pact that like we don't have to suffer through each other's funeral. That would be cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um but yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like I wanted to talk about. I mean, we we spoke a bit about the uh, the the cultural aspect of horror and music. And yes, I, I, you have written songs about death. I've written a whole record about death with last year's author record. Yada yada. The the key ingredient here is, and that's like that's why I thought like the the, the cultural aspect with horror movies, and it's like in in in, in like a, I don't know, like just in the middle of things. But like this thing you just talked about, like the real the real process of witnessing death and dying death is the road to awe is like is there anything that like reminds us more how insignificant we are than maybe space nature and death i don't think so death is like almost like an all-powerful god itself when we go back to the beginning an unstoppable force and uh, people try their best in science to to stop it. There's has always been the dream of like the pill that makes you live forever, and uh, there's there's cryogenesis, cryogenetics, and all this stupid bullshit. And I just think like what you just described is like it's like this this huge tidal wave that will roll over you, and you cannot stop it. And I'm not afraid that it will roll over me and take me. I don't care. But I'm afraid for, like, I mean, I think the probably the, the toughest thing I had to go through was Audrey's death. And yeah. Audrey, for those who don't know, was my cat. 
but for the last five years I've been single and she's been here she's been the light of my life and yeah maybe maybe that's like some people will say but yeah it's just an animal but like not to me like she she was my sunshine and my everything and last year in October like after four months of knowing that she will die like she has to put down at some point like the moment came and like a few weeks ago the week before Easter on on the 6th of April I woke up and I felt terrible and I didn't know why it was just like this you know like this feeling of dread when you know something terrible is going to happen or when you have exams coming up I woke up I woke up with I woke up with this feeling and I walked out and I mean, you know, my couch and like there have these two little blankets and usually they're like on, on the of the left hand side of the couch. And I don't know why, but the evening before I folded it and it was on the corner on the front corner of the couch. And it was exactly the way where I laid down Audrey when when the veterinarian came and gave her like the last shot to put her to death. Yeah. And, and I looked on, the, on my calendar and I saw it's exactly the to the day, six months, like half a year since she's been gone. And in that moment, like I usually conduct myself really well and I can like, I can deal with grief. And that's like the actual point I want to talk about. And the last part here is grief. Um, I thought like I, I dealt really well with it. But in that moment, I saw that I pushed it away so hard because I don't didn't want to deal with grief. And I just burst into tears. I fell to the floor. I had no, my, 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 my knees just gave in and I was lying there crying like a baby. I'm like, fucking hell. Like, I, I never experienced something like that. And I'm in a... I'm a state in my life where I feel like not a lot of things actually feel like I don't feel anything. Like a lot of times everything is just so insignificant and doesn't matter. But this, the death of my little girl, man, that's like, it was the most painful thing. And I think starting with the death of my grandfather, which I spoke about, I tried to like in my heart, I set up this wall to like not have this feeling, these feelings come through. I got I got hurt in my life so often. And it started with the death of my grandfather, which was the toughest thing then. And like it showed me again with dealing with the death of Audrey and now it all breaking open. Like it's an open wound that just won't heal. But now I'm actually dealing with it. And there's like studies that you have to deal with grief and I mean, that's kind of what you said, like upon hearing of her passing and then you're like, oh, no, I have to function. I have to drive this, my friend to the, to the airport. And at one point, you just can't hold it back anymore. And then you will. I mean, I'm, I know it from you, but like you, you've felt it like with other scenarios, too, that all of a sudden out of nowhere, you think of that person or like I do, or like with my cat and you just start crying and there's no as tough as nails as you are sometimes it just breaks through yeah definitely man i mean <clears throat> you know now you know i'm packing now so it's like <laughs> you know there's all these old things you know I, I have a box to like all the stuff that you know like are associated with her and and um you know things that i took like when when um you know during during the uh after she passed away and I was up there in the room um, that she lived in in those last year, uh, you know, there's like pieces of art that she did and, you know, clothing articles. I just grabbed them and I, I'm like, I'm going to hang on to this stuff because it reminds me of her and everything. And um, 
but like the full impact of what her life was like that last year when I wasn't able to see her hit me in like like a very grim realization of how how her life had just degenerated like because of all the the stuff that she needed, you know, like in the living room, there was like a hospital bed basically, mm. you know, and, I, and that's, I, I saw that bed and I just, I almost fell to my knees, man. Cause I didn't, I had no idea really, you know, I didn't see anything. I was imagining her living mm. a regular life, you know, and then all the stuff in the bathroom, the showering aids and things like that. And I was just like, man, I knew, I guess intellectually, but not really knew how bad things were. That was, those last few months and um so yeah moving i have like a bunch of stuff and i that box is going to drive with me in the car you know i'm not going to have a mover take yeah. all these things and and that it's just hard man you know and and even beside from that like every now and then like some something will happen or I'll, I'll hear something or watch something or something will remind me of her being gone and i'll just mm. i'll lose it you know sometimes it happens when i'm driving you know i'll be like you know, driving and something will come to me and, and it's just, it fucking haunts me, man. You know? Yeah. It's, it's sometimes it's songs. Sometimes it's just something you see that reminds you. And I remember like I, I put everything, I had so much cat stuff in my apartment and I all put it in boxes. And recently Chris of Otha and he and his girlfriend moved apartments. And uh, so they have a new place and they adopted two cats a while back. And for like, for the whole, like, for the whole six months now, I held on to every little piece of stuff that I had for Audrey, except for like the the food stuff. Like I gave that to like a to like a shelter. Um, I was like, okay, so what do, will I do with that? And then it's like they're moving and they have like a big balcony now, so they need like this fishnet so they can't fall out. And right. I still had like these poles and I had the toys, and I'm like, no, you know what? I will get like I will let it go now. I have like this one pole in my living room that is still set up with the pictures of Audrey and this will remain. But like, okay, I'll get rid of this. And I, pa I packed like the toys and all that stuff and it was all easy. And then I opened a box and there was like a little, a, a broom. No, not a broom, like a brush where, yeah. where you had to like for fur. Yeah. And it still, and it still like, had like a bit of the white fur on it. And like I sat in my like in my basement, just weeping. Like it's yeah. so crazy. That's why I think like you know, grief is something that you have to allow. Otherwise, it will kill you. And that's what I meant with death is the road to awe. That grief is such an almighty power. I would say you can compare. Like it's even even more powerful than love. But what helps me instead of people telling me she's in a better place now is uh, I, I thought of the metaphor once and I told it to other people that lost their pets or their loved ones. Is like, I think the more grief hurts you, the more is the proof of how much you love that actual being. Yeah, no, absolutely. I believe that, you know, I mean, there's a strong emotion, you know, and, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, it's still a process, man, for me. And like I said, and, and, it, it's I'm just fucking haunted by this whole experience and even the other like my other family members I had I lost like four people man in the course of a year you know yeah. and, and, and and in the midst of all that stuff I had a breakup with you know my my ex who I was together with for 10 years you know and like we had a soft breakup like a year before and like but we really weren't broken up you know but then like the hard breakup came and then a month later Kirsten was gone you know, 
And um, mm-hmm. it's all these things are just fucking eating away at me and weighing on me for like even now. I mean, I'm I'm, pro- I'm I think I'm in a better place these days, but like, you know, last year was rough. The winter was rough. You know, and I feel like now, and that's why I'm moving. Really, it's just because of just the darkness of living here for the last three years. And it's it's a beautiful town. Like I, I've told you about living here, but it's like it just there's such a heavy atmosphere that's just on me right now. And I need to have a new chapter and live someplace else. And mm. for a myriad of reasons, I need to live in a more urban environment. Just because I'm just I can't live in the suburbs. You know, it's just not me, really. You know. Mm. Yeah, and also like the the important things like the memory of her or the loved ones that you lost. Yeah, like they will travel with you. They yeah. will be in in small icons in your apartment and mostly like in your heart. And that's why, yeah, why why it's so like it's so difficult to deal with death because there's nothing habitual that you can actually touch. You know, like nothing remains. Like you said, like with with the with the funeral that like it was an open casket from what I understood and. That's that's a thing you don't have here. Like right. I don't know if it's even allowed to have like an open casket funeral, but like I've never seen a dead person in my life, and I don't know if I would like because like the trauma of my grandfather seeing him like in this almost this mummified kind of skeleton way with leathery skin is just like haunting. Like whenever I see like scenes in movies that are like kind of like this, you know, it's like. I'm like fuck off, man. Like I, I, I can't deal with that. And um, yeah, so like this will take this will travel with you. And it's like as 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 tough as death is, it's like these little pieces of love that you keep around your heart and maybe make you human and like keeps keeps you going forward. So like the rem, rem, the, the reminder of life is precious in a way. Yeah, you know? definitely. You know, and and um, you know, I mean, there's been the last like three years or two years of stuff that I've created like musically and you know, there's like, there's def there's like, there's like a dark times era period of stuff that I just finished writing and making, yeah. you know, like the Scorpion throne EP is like all mm-hmm. about this period too. And that's primarily why I never really pushed it with people. You know, it's, um, I just wanted to put it out and, all right, cool. It's more for me. It's a hundred percent for me, you know, like yeah. to get it, to work on it and write the lyrics and put things together and make it where a way it was a cathartic way to deal with a lot of the, the um, intensity of these feelings of losing her and yeah. uh, dealing with the death and the grief and, and then, you know, put casting it out into the world. This made me feel better, but I'm not, I wasn't, that's why like, I don't talk about it that much. I don't really like you know, hey, check this out. You know, this is my new band, or there's like interviews, or mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I Andrew and and Mike, the guys that are on the record in the band with me, they they don't have that experience with it. So it's like Andrew found a guy to like put it out on cassette and everything, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But the next Scorpion Throne stuff is going to be a little bit different, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, all this weight is off of it, so it's going to be more of just mm-hmm. like a fun sort of project i guess after this i see and that's that's why i like funny and and like quotation marks not actually funny but like when you when you like told me about scorpion throne and you sent it to me and you told me like yeah there's like way more influence like jeff whitehead's work is way more influential on this than on tombs or stuff yeah and uh then i thought about like when all this happened 
with with your friend and, and and the music that came out of it. I'm like, this is your lurker of cellist record. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, and I know like what Jeff was dealing with during that period. You know, not yeah. you know, in so many words. Like I know Jeff, but not that way really. But yeah, but it's pretty clear what was going on in his life on that record. You know, and, yeah. If you if you like see that one man metal documentary that that Vice magazine oh, and yeah. he talks about her and like that like explains it pretty well. That's why I had to like the connection to this. So. Yeah. Um, to route to like rally up the troops here and finish off, I want to do like two quick fire questions, okay. short answers. <laughs> um, but uh, of course, it's not like that easy. But uh, the first one, I, I know, I think I know your answer, and it's easy. The second, maybe not so much. Imagine there would be a pill that cures diseases and makes life eternal. Would you take it? No. If that pill, that very pill would exist, would you have given it to your friend? Yes. Yeah. I would be the same thing. It's so egotistical to do to say that and do that, but I'd be the same way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the worst part about that, man, it's like, you know, like fucking that. One of the things I thought about so much was like when, when she passed, you know, and I was just thinking about like fucking, why did she have to go? You know, why couldn't I go? You know, why did, why did it have to be her? You know, then yeah. I, went, I went to the doctor, and the doctor's like, "You're fucking in great condition for a guy your age." You know, not even for a guy my age. He's like, "You have the physicality of a professional athlete, dude." He's like, "You have like all your your all your blood work, your fucking EKG, your heart rate is a, I'm like 49 beats per minute." You know, like I have like the fucking physical of like a guy who like is a pro, like fucking fighter or mm. something like that. You know, and it's like, like why? Why can't I fucking have had like some, oh, you have like three weeks to live, you know, something like that, you know? And uh, yeah, yeah, I would totally take, I would not take the pill to live forever, but I would give it to my loved ones for sure. I would give it to her specifically. Yeah. But then in consequence, like you would have to take it to at some point to, uh, you know, like otherwise you would like curse this person to live forever and she or he Uh, would like suffer Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right, you know, so that's yeah, that's the yeah, dark, that's, that's, the dark that's, side of the question, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and again, like, yeah, that's, that's this thing, actually, like, that's one from one of my teaching books in philosophy, that was this these two questions to discuss with kids, and, like, the pros and cons, but, like, that would fill up, like, a complete new episode, and I think we've pretty much conquered the, the grounds that we wanted to conquer, and, uh, yeah, I guess... Uh, success like there was another really deep episode i'm really happy how it turned out yeah you know i hope people get something out of this you know i know i know that like these are uncomfortable things to talk about but uh yeah yeah you know that's that's you know we 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 push the envelope here you know and i i you know it's i just hope people got something out of it you know yeah yeah man it's like uh as always you know comment let us know what your thoughts are maybe if you share like our thoughts want to share your experiences especially on the patreon like there's a more secluded like more friendish thing than in the public open space but uh yeah reach out to us if you want to talk and uh We'd be glad. Like this, this is supposed to be uh, make people think and uh, go into it. So there's always fun episodes of about music and movies. There's a lot of this, but I think it's cool to sometimes go into like these core element and elementary st- things. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll end up doing like the metaphysics of fun or the metaphysics <laughs> of 
the metaphysics of porn or something. I don't yeah. know. Like we can yeah. just talk about fun things. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. Maybe maybe the next one will be a little bit more uplifting than this. You know? <laughs> we'll see. But uh, yeah, thanks. All right, everyone. Thanks for hanging in there. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think. And we'll talk to you next week. Take care.